smartcast.com This is the morning brief from the Economic Times produced in collaboration with avas.com When my colleague Anandi also a guest in today's episode introduced me to the world of crypto art my reaction was what I googled and this is what popped up a pencil sketch of batman sold for $195,000 an image of paris hilton's pet gone for $17,000 one gif yes sir one gif commemorating the 10th anniversary of an animated cat nian laced with some synth pop sold for $590,000 hello everyone it's friday 12th of march from the economic times i'm arjit barman and you're listening to the morning brief and in case you missed the news twitter ceo jack dorsey put up his very first tweet up for sale as a non fungible token or nft also known as crypto art and guess what it was lapped up for a cool 2.5 million dollars even our very own music producer and dj nuclear informed twipple that he wants to drop his new nft collab soon so what's going on here why spend millions on art that you can't even touch forget hanging on your walls for bragging rights dude this is insane my head is spinning and i need the experts to download all this for me so please welcome from amdabad Ria Ramani a very young crypto artist herself joining Ria we have Ramani Ramachandran CEO of Router Protocol a fintech startup that is backing nft music platforms and my colleague Anandri Chandrashekar a crypto geek herself and the lady who literally opened my eyes to this unique world of pixels welcome everyone i'm really feeling ancient anandri straight off i thought gifs were used for memes how and when did it become art it's very funny isn't it origin so you know let before we go to gifs let's talk about how this whole nft wave started right um so back in 2019 there was this one french gentleman who decided uh, that he would sort of redo a very classic uh, masterpiece by another french artist eugene delacroix um uh, on people protesting against the establishment then um so he decided to give it his own modern twist and uh, he painted um a piece uh, similar to what Mr. Delacroix had painted and then sort of painted over it with protesters in yellow jackets. And obviously the French authorities were not very pleased with this sort of a representation. Um and they painted over uh, Boyard's piece. But now what happened was Boyard decided to put this on, you know, the internet. And that's when the first NFT or or you know the most popular NFT that that's when that happened. um he basically what boyard did was he minted something called a non fungible token of course which i will leave to the experts to exactly sort of dive into what that is that way he immortalized what this piece was and what he could do was sort of share this piece with everyone over the internet and whoever wanted to pay for this they could pay through 
um, cryptocurrencies through Ethereum, to be more specific. And um, basically, it, it just got immortalized like that, and that's how this whole thing started. The next question, which is pretty obvious, how do I buy this? And then, if I want to sell it to another collector or another friend, can I can I trade this art? Oh, absolutely. So it's it's very simple to buy these uh, pieces online. So just just like you would buy a T-shirt, um, you would just log in online and buy something on an e-commerce website. Similarly, for uh, digital art or crypto art, uh, there are a number of marketplaces, and in fact, some coming up even as we speak. When you say marketplaces, these are like galleries, online galleries, so to speak. They are online galleries, absolutely. Where you can see and you can choose and buy. Of course, of course. And like you said, these there there could be gyps, there could be uh, static pieces, there could be music videos, you name it. Okay, but Ria, I want to bring you in here. How do I buy? I mean, I don't have cryptocurrency, uh, and I love a piece that you've done. Then what happens? Right. So yeah, you definitely need to have some cryptocurrency before you buy or sell a piece of your NFT. So how it works is, I'll talk about India specifically. So all these websites, all these marketplaces where you sell NFTs, you need to have a crypto wallet attached. Now these uh, crypto wallets are not not from India, right? So they have these few selected crypto wallets that are integrated with the website. So what one has to do is they have to buy some cryptocurrency first here in some Indian crypto co- uh, wallet, and then they have to transfer it. And um, once you have some ether, some balance in your crypto wallet, only then you can do a transaction because each transaction requires a gas fee. So gas fee is what someone is paying a buyer or a or a seller. to actually make the transaction the money that goes in minting an nft slowly catches you need some ethereum uh, because all these happens on the ethereum network that you need to send transactions that is uh, denominated in ethereum so that's why you need a little bit of ethereum to start buying and selling but how much does one unit of uh, ether or ethereum worth it's basically 1800 dollars times you know 70 which is uh, i would imagine Close to one hundred one point two lakhs as of today. Wow! For one unit of ether. Yes, but but yeah, the, the important thing is you don't need a whole ether to transact, right? It's it's infinite. It will, I guess, divisible to a very very small amount. So you could actually send something as low as a uh, hundred rupees in ether, uh, assuming transaction costs are uh, make sense. But you don't always need to use that one whole ether to transact. That that's the important point. Okay, but but if I want to buy Ria's art. If you can explain, how much would your one painting be worth? Or there's an auction, and so therefore it's like whoever is the highest bidder gets it. Right. So in this, it's it's depending on the artist. I can either put my work for auction and the highest bidder wins, or I can put a fixed price. Typically, what kind of yeah are we talking about in India? Um. So I don't think there's a fixed fixed amount on that. People usually keep it up for bidding, especially those artists who actually have a name out there already. So if they keep it for bidding, it's obviously going to be in their advantage. So there have been pieces from Indian artists recently which have sold for seven to eight ETH, also which were placed on bidding wars on like very well platforms. Wow! So when you say seven to eight, so these are seven to eight units of ether. Yes. Wow, that's that's really cool. Anandi, what's equally baffling for me is when I was doing my research, you know, things like. Uh, that these tokens are unique pieces of digital information 
you know, and and as and and as both uh, Ria and Ramani were saying that it can be bought and sold, traded using Ethereum blockchain. If you could just explain, what does that mean? Sure, Arjit. I think very simply, you know, if you were to sort of purchase um, the Mona Lisa from someone, um, you would have to uh, be sure that you know you were buying the original, right? Because if you're paying that much money, you want to know you're buying the original. You know, with with NFTs, it's it's quite wonderful, really. How you can be assured of uh, the fact that you're buying the original piece from the original artist, because what happens is when you purchase something from the artist, let's let's you know call it an X Y Z piece. Um, now that piece has uh, basically uh, a lot of code attached to it and code that is openly readable, right? That says. Okay, this person has purchased this X Y Z piece of art from this person, and now he is the owner of it. So, no matter how many digital copies of this piece of art you make, the owner is always um, you. Doesn't doesn't matter uh, who has the copy, who has made different prints of it, who who has made uh, interpretations of it. You will always be recorded as the original owner. So that. That is the beauty of how this entire block. But Anandi, sorry to interject, but even if I buy, I mean, I'll never be able to. But hypothetically, if if I'm a billionaire and I buy, to quote you, the Mona Lisa, mm-hmm. uh, and if it's a, if, uh, available for sale, I will get it checked, audited, check the provenance, and there are specialized experts who charge hell of a lot of money to do just that. So, what are we talking about here? So. that problem is you know done away with uh, because because of the entire blockchain system because you are dealing directly with the artist in this case and uh, you are be- buying directly from the artist and everything is recorded over the blockchain so um, there is no there is no there, there becomes no question of you know having to quantify if that art was um, uh, you know how it was made and and whether it's 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 a unique original piece because um, you know again again with with uh, real world art the problem is that when it ages you don't know who's made it you don't know you know how how it's traveled through time but in this case everything is done over the blockchain so uh, you, you don't have these problems so you don't have you don't need a third party to sort of uh, uh, quantify it for you ria you you want to come in on that because you're an artist yourself you've studied overseas you know and and can you just also explain from being a part of the fraternity that you know h- h- how you know the the question that i have in mind that you know you always test a provenance or a painting's provenance when you're buying so how i how is nft saving you from potential fakes um so that's interesting so there is no like proof per se but uh, on leading platforms there's a proof of authenticity that is required when you upload a but every artwork that you upload so if i am uploading suppose a video or anything i have to attach a certain source file or um or a document that says that i am the creator of this and you are going to be the sole, uh, sole owner of this and um if you open an artwork on a website you will see a verified mark over there that says that this particular piece has a proof of authenticity and that it's one of a kind okay understood but what got you started you 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 went to new york was that where you got your first taste uh, brush with uh, nfts 
Oh, not at all. I just recently discovered about um, NFTs. Very, very recently. I was just uh, scrolling through my Instagram and I found a post on what are, uh, when the Nyan um, cat sold. I saw its worth and I got really interested and I started reading about it. So I just got into NFTs like a month ago. What was that X factor? Why was it just the fact that wow, if this thing can go for millions, let me try it out. Was that the hook? So. Very honestly, it started like that. I had so many digital pieces that I had created earlier, and I was like, "Okay, I already have a few things ready, so why not? Let me just try." So that's how it started initially. But as I was saying, I've been a painter all my life, and I'm a designer now. So for me, it was sort of like a best thing that could happen. It's like a combination of both my hobbies and passions, and like my career. So a painting and something digital which involves technology both combined in one platform it was like a jackpot for me and the nft community has been so so amazing how big is this community in india on in, in india it's still growing i won't say it's very big in india as of now is it like only restricted to art schools and nids or actually even beyond no definitely beyond there are many artists who are say, like they are photographers they are um as uh it was mentioned earlier they are selling audios videos animations or uh, even 2d paintings so ramani i mean that, that's exactly where i want you to come in as well uh so it's not really just art it can be you know it can be music it can be music and art it can be photographs it can be some signature uh it's a whole wide world out there uh and and honestly i mean when when i was told that you are into fintech I also got a little confused that what's fintech about NFT and what you are doing. At the end of the day, uh, NFTs are uh, uh, non-fungible tokens uh, in the sense that uh, what's fungible, a hundred rupee note is fungible. Hundred uh, rupee note. What's non-fungible? You know, it's a unique digital proof of identity that's yours and yours alone, right? How did I get into this? Uh, I've been building in the crypto space in Asia, Singapore, primarily, but also India for the last. Uh, six years or so, and I got into crypto from traditional finance uh, in, in a few different geographies. Uh, and uh, you know, NFTs uh, were a big thing uh, a few years ago, around 2018, the last time the crypto market peaked. Uh, and then again, uh, early this year, late last year, the NFT scene has uh, witnessed a resurgence. Uh, the fourth quarter, the whole of fourth quarter 2020, uh, around nine million in NFTs were traded. Um, just nine million, and, and and to put that in perspective, just thirty minutes uh, last week, sixty uh, million was traded NFTs in OpenSea, the leading NFT. So uh, NFT is uh, having its moment, and uh, it, it, it's definitely a bubble aspect to it in the sense that you know, a lot of things, you know, as, uh, these are uh, these these pixels, crypto pixels, crypto kitties, you know, crypto punks. Nobody really knows. Uh, yeah, correct. What... I'll, I'll I'll come to that on the asset bubble uh, part yeah. of it as well. But uh, what I want to understand is, since you'll be dealing with it, that it's actually evolved beyond a canvas or a pixel or a, or an image, right? It's it's like anything and everything can be an NFT. Is that is that is that correct? I mean, uh, you you're, you're working with artists, so you know what's going on there. Yeah, yeah, I know. Great question. Right? So, you know, that's absolutely right. I mean, you can uh, create a digital token representing uh, or, or sort of uh, certifying that something is original, and, and that can be not just a piece of art or a piece of graphical work on the computer. It can be 
something like uh, a piece of music or a video recording. In fact, uh, the, one of the platforms that we're developing is specifically focused on that use case on music and how they can be digitized as NFTs. When it comes to music, so these are one full song or this is just a snatch? Ah, so, so again, uh, you, there is no real set uh, framework and maybe that's because we are in the early stages of this industry. Uh, so what, what, uh, Trilau, Trilau is a very famous electronic musician. He very, so he actually auctioned off 33 pieces of his, uh, one of his recordings, right? I believe, uh, it was a new recording, right? And, uh, uh, so 33 tracks were auctioned as NFTs. No, 33 copies of, of one track, right? 33 copies of one track. Okay. Okay. So the, so the deal there is only 33 folks, 33 people will have access to original uh, recording to the original recording of this thing earlier we would when we were growing up we would collect posters of tennis stars and cricketers and then collect cds so it's just that in a digital avatar exactly so yeah I, you know i think we both from the same generation we remember the sports star, yeah. the sports star yeah correct yeah. correct yes yeah, so uh, you know, i'm really feeling like an uncle here i mean it's like, no, I, I understand the feeling trust me <laughs> so you know, the, the beauty is, uh, the, the, it's amazing. It's, it's very easy to sort of uh, uh, trade them over the internet with somebody, some anonymous person on the other side. You don't even need to know. With, with your cards, right? You only have bragging rights within your close immediate network, right? With these things, you have instantly, you know, immediate global bragging rights. You have a global uh, market price discovery, right? And, and if it's the right artist, obviously, you're going to get backstage passes and, you know, all those uh, bells and whistles. So. Ah, okay. Now we are talking. Now that, that's the language I, I can understand. <laughs> but, but honestly, I mean, this is clearly for people who spend hours and hours in a day on a computer uh, in some digital realm. Uh, and for them, that is the universe. Because... I mean, bragging rights, if I want to spend a million bucks or more or six million bucks for an art, I would want to put it in my living room and call guests and say, this is what I bought. Here, there's no such chance. I mean, it's all in the internet, in the digital sphere. So very different concept of bragging rights altogether. Arjit, but uh, I would like to, you know, I just to interject here, that sure. is not um, that is not necessarily the case because a lot of artists are also... Um, uh, you know, when you buy an NFT from them, they're also giving you the physical piece of art. Um, now, the, the value associated is with the digital version, but they do give you a physical piece of art as well. I see. Okay. 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 Ramani, sorry, you were saying something. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I, I probably, we should, we should not probably over-index on the bragging rights perspective, right? A lot of the a lot of the uh, uh, market is being driven by speculative value. Yeah, I, I will. I, I do have a question on that. But you, as Ramani, you as a customer buy an art that Ria has made. Mm -hmm. Now, do you own that image in perpetuity? And then with that image, you can make a T-shirt, you can make a bed cover, curtains, you can make coffee mugs, you know, gifts, cards, etc., etc. The full merchandise and you get the upside. Can you do that or you have to take Ria's permission for doing each one of that? So for the, for the most part, that is right. But, you know, there are emerging models in the music business, for instance, where uh, an artist creates a bunch of original uh, prints and then uh, you can go and buy a copy of the original, which gives you right for 
you know, private, non-commercial enjoyment of that piece, for instance, right? So for the most part, especially with graphics, that is indeed the case. You can take a printout. I mean, even if you don't own the NFT, I mean, there's nothing stopping you from taking a printout and, you know, putting on your... But I guess uh, with, with, uh, with the music part, especially, there are models evolving where uh, some of the uh, uh, commercial rights still sort of flow back to the... Uh, eventual uh, artist the bottom line it's entirely dependent on the individual contract that a buyer the seller in this case a marketplace and the artist has yes that seems to be the case yeah. okay but anandi uh, you touched upon this non-fungibility aspect of that if you could explain you know what do you mean by non-fungible sure so um it's it's simple so if i give you say a bitcoin now i can trade you know basically with the, with a cryptocurrency or a bitcoin we can trade with each other through the same uh, thing the through the same asset so that is fungibility but now when it comes to art how do you value it like what 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 value does it have of its own that is what makes it non fungible it's, it's it's difficult for you to put you put a value on it so imagine uh, I think we've all played with those WWE trading cards when we were younger or those shiny holographs. Um, so now if I were to, you know, um, you know, possess a, a very rare uh, wrestler's card, now I could make an NFT out of it, maybe maybe scan it or, or, or do some sort of digital art on it and um, sort of trade it. And that way I can now have bidders and people who appreciate this sort of, you know, uh, uh, trading, uh, trading cards, have them uh, attach a value to it. So the value itself, uh, as far as, uh, uh, you know, a cryptocurrency or uh, any other asset is concerned, uh, that comes attached with it. Whereas with a non-fungible, uh, the value is ascertained by others who find some meaning in it. Got it. But then the celebs would have a advantage always right you have to be somebody if you are a basketball star a cricketer or some hotshot musician only then your your quote unquote piece of art or piece of music is worth anything correct i mean you and i can you you and i can't be you and i can't be famous then uh, the argument there arjit is that again since this is all about uh, you know uh, uh, basically the world of crypto and the world of blockchain it's it's so open and it's in a way, it's so democratized that um, the idea is that, you know, some unknown artist uh, 10, 20 years down the line, if his piece could become the talking point for the next few hundred years, um, this sort of technology helps bring that sort of an artist to the fore. Um, in, in, interestingly, I was speaking to um, some art collectives who were trying to preserve rare forms of Indian art through NFTs, and uh, you can imagine a uh, hundred years down the line, if uh, you know there's there's a very sort of rare form of uh, uh, embroidery or um, uh, 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 fabric printing from some part of India, and that is preserved as an NFT. You can imagine what sort of value that would hold uh, compared to say a Bollywood celebrity doing a song. I'm sure, but uh, Ria, you're an artist yourself. Is it translating on the ground? Do you get more inquiries on your Instagram page or? Uh, you know, calls and say, you know, are you doing something? Is there genuine excitement or is it still alien for most of us, even in the art fraternity? 
Well, I think it is still alien. I mean, it's definitely growing and there's a lot of competition out there, but it's definitely not easy. There's a lot of competition, but with that, there's also a lot of opportunity. Um, so what happens is uh, you need to have an audience. Every type of art needs to have an audience. And uh, so there's a big, big advantage for people who've already been in the industry, who've been creating digital work since before NFT became a thing. So they already had like suppose thousands, thousands of followers on Instagram. So now they have more, um, more place to network and more place to show their work. So uh, I think the right audience and the number of ex no, the years of experience all combined is what uh, is what matters. I, I guess even in the real world, I mean, art the masters sell uh, more and a higher price than uh, contemporary stuff. I mean, clearly in exactly. India that is the case, but. Uh, honestly, but what's in it for the artist? I can understand the craze, but as an artist, do you do you get an upside in terms of revenue share or royalty payments? Is is NFT anyway better than conventional way of buying and selling art? Definitely. So in both conventional methods and NFT, you have to have some experience and an audience, like I said. Yes. But what you're doing in NFT is you're removing a mediator. So the middleman goes away. You are directly dealing with the buyer. But you are uh, in a marketplace. That's the that's the digital media, uh, you know, mediator, isn't it? That's the digital gallery, so to speak. Right. In terms of like, if a mediator is taking commission, here we are paying a gas fee. In terms of that cut, it definitely is still there. But when you are dealing, you are directly dealing as an artist. You have a uh, you have the global audience. You have just the I entire see. global audience in front of you, and you are dealing directly dealing with them as the artist but what about royalties is that a big advantage definitely so if i'm starting right now i'm a beginner and i sell my suppose painting for 10000 rupees right now and 10 years later i'm famous and the same painting goes the buyer sells it to someone else for 10 lakh rupees uh, i won't get anything in that but in nfts i as an artist can set my own commission fee so if i send 10% and if someone sells it in future when i become famous it'll go for more so i'll still keep on getting that 10% if it keeps selling in the market. Oh, wow. That's great. I mean, that is, I guess, a clincher for any creative people. Ramani, uh, are artists uh, only of a particular age uh, getting excited? I mean, I only saw Nuclear's quote, but, uh, you know, or are uncles like me also digging NFTs and are equally enthusiastic? You know, I, I guess it's it, there's no age here, right? I mean, there's definitely an aspect around how crypto is sort of intuitively a Gen Z or a millennial thing. This aspect of that, but you know, uh, as part of building out this uh, stealth platform that we're working on, we've reached out to artists in their uh, 60s. We've reached out to very young artists, so it's you know they get the business sense. They sort of uh, intrigued by the fact that you know the the, the average. SAB hotel. Yeah, yeah, that aspect. Yeah, yeah. and then, you know the, the something that you you and Ria were discussing just before, which is you know the, the, the average music for for every one million or a hundred thousand listens on Spotify or in the streaming platforms, the eventual artist only makes between thousand to two thousand dollars on average, right? So anything that sort of cuts out the whole ninety percent chunk that these intermediaries take and you know, puts that into the pockets of the artist, right? That's going to be hugely welcomed by the community. Yeah. Of course. But Ria, having said that, uh, you know, there is an argument that this is just a fad and it's largely speculation, FOMO, which is fear of missing out and frenzy that's driving up the asset prices. And, and, and a lot of purists would say, 
ah, this is all, you know, a big, big, big joke. And let's see if it lasts for even five years. So let's be honest. There is a lot of bubble and froth around meme stocks like GameStop or a meme currency like Dogecoin. So people do need to be a little circumspect as well, correct? Right, definitely. There's a lot of talks going on there that this is just the craze which might just die with time. But if you ask, like, in my personal opinion, I think it has some scope. It is going to stay for some time because, first of all, because of its scalability, like the number, the spectrum it covers from all aspects of digital art, it's huge. So this is just the starting point, according to me, that this is actually just the starting point. Imagine after 10 years, these NFTs will be sold in like holograms or like AI based uh, artworks. So I think it's here to stay definitely, and it has a lot of um, opportunity and scalability for sure. Ramani, what can spook the market? You've been a finance professional. You understand bubbles, asset price inflation. So what can go horribly wrong? You know, yeah, it's, it's fundamentally the, the same factors that lead to the rise of NFTs. Right? So what has led to the rise of NFTs is for the last one year, a lot of humanity has been, at least the, the luckier part of the humanity, <laughs> global population has been plonked in front of computers, trading everything from, you know, US around Robinhood. So if you look at the uh, retail, that's gone up. So, so this is a bit of that and a bit of all the liquidity flowing into the market, you know, all through money printing. So like with most bubbles, at some point, it's going to be reckoning. But, but irrespective, I think uh, what's happened is uh, there's a new business model has been unlocked where artists can connect directly with community and then capture a lot of the combined value that you're creating. And the community actually can help evangelize certain artists and take them to the next level. So these are interesting models, I think, that are here to stay and grow, irrespective of the bubble aspect of it. Anandi, last word to you. The regulators, at least in India, they themselves are rather suspicious of cryptos per se. Then... uh, you know, are we going to see some kind of a backlash, regulatory backlash, which in turn can have a very adverse impact on this fledgling, you know, sector or segment? That's actually a very pertinent point that you bring up because um, we're we're looking at governments sort of opening up to the idea of crypto, and even even in fact, um, the Indian government has uh, given. You know, earlier we thought that they were quite against this entire digital asset and they were looking to ban it. But the recent statements by the finance minister uh, sort of indicate that they are thinking about uh, taking, a, in her own words, a calibrated approach towards uh, cryptocurrency. So in that sense, I do feel like the regulators are uh, trying to understand what this is and trying to see where this can go. Uh, but indeed, if if uh, it were to be banned, it would be a big blow to, uh, I think, upcoming artists because um, this is a very lucrative way for them to uh, make money. So definitely, it would, would really impact. Guys, thank you very much for taking time out for this Primer. It was really eye-opening, but we've exceeded all time limits today. So I've got to end here. I hope our listeners to enjoy it as much as we did while chatting. My take, if Kandinsky, Mondrian or Jackson Pollock was not abstract enough, then get this. Digital artist Beeple sold his NFT piece Crossroad for 6.6 million, making history as the most expensive digital art sale ever made. 
check that presidential image and you will know what I mean. On the face of it, a lot of the hype around NFT does remind me of the 21st century tulip fever. There is speculation that is feeding on this frenzy, creating value bubbles. But once it all cools down, there are some aspects of NFT that are indeed beneficial for the larger art community, especially around royalty and upside sharing. Art, they say, is the last unregulated market. We certainly want technology to disrupt it for good and democratize this highbrow club of collectors, gallerists and impresarios. Make it accessible, one pixel at a time. Imagine our articles in ET could also be an NFT and be monetized. Picture that now. I'm Arjit Barman and you've been listening to The Morning Brief. This episode was edited by Indulekha Arabin and coordinated by Nehal Chalyawal. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. We look forward to your feedback right to us at themorningbrief at timesgroup.com. And if you've liked this episode, please share on your social media handles. We'll really appreciate it. The Morning Brief drops every Tuesday, Thursdays and Friday. Thank you for listening and have a great weekend. Goodbye and good luck.